the wash and weeding the squash and working mighty hard. Mama had to run to the outhouse. She said, baby, I'll be right back. But the boy set off up the hill and they crawled just as soon as she turned her back, her back, as soon as she turned her back. Mama was back in the blink of an eye, but the boy was nowhere in sight. She searched all over, low and high. When she found him, it gave her a terrible fright. At first she couldn't speak, then she started to shriek. Christopher Black, get down. He was sitting up there on the windmill platform, watching the wheels spin around and round. Just watching that wheel spin around. He's a born windmill baby, a natural windmill boy. He can climb up any tower. He's his pappy's pride and joy. He got a tail like a monkey and an ice cream in each hand. He'll be a wind spinning, water pumping, bona fide windmill man, oh man, a bona fide windmill man. Tired and mighty beat. Mama said, if you're hungry, you're out of luck. You got a job to do before you can eat. We got a baby who's been climbing on the windmill tower. You gotta build us a fence this very hour. Ah, don't be a fool, Ma. He's learning wind power. He can take my place when I'm obsolete. He'll be a windmill baby complete. And he's a born windmill baby, a natural windmill boy. He can climb up any tower. He's as happy as pride and joy. He got a, a tail like a monkey and a vice grip in each hand. He'll be a, a wind spinning, water pumping, bona fide windmill man, oh man, a bona fide windmill man. So that right there is a song a friend wrote about his son who actually climbs wind towers. At least he did when he was a teenager. I don't know if he still does. But his dad fixes and repairs wind. Like the old-timey kind. Hmm. Like the, the old kind that pump water. Yeah. I don't know if he does, like, modern ones. And um, that Those comes are probably a little harder to climb. Yeah, that comes from a CD called Sheer Caffeine. <laughs> so that's Windmill Baby. Yeah, actually, my favorite on that CD is Mad Cow. <laughs> but um, I actually don't usually like um, that kind of voice singing. It kind of grates on my nerves. But I don't know. That one was interesting to me. This is Orda Energy Mon, and you are listening to Your Community Spirit. And this is Tree Song. And we are here live, kind of, and local. This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of being. And I always get mixed up. I've been doing this (laughs) this same promo 
for 14 years, and yeah. I'm so glad I don't have it memorized. Because <laughs> when you have it memorized, it loses its meaning. Mm. You know, if I have to think about what I'm saying, it has a lot of meaning. Yeah. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit. We are online at yourcommunityspirit.org if you miss even one second of what we say. <laughs> yeah. We say things that are so important, it gets archived on the Internet forever. Yes, future generations will be finding out what sort of wacky things we were saying here <laughs> in southern Illinois in the, in the 21st century. And it's a time of great fun. We have yeah. a lot of stuff to make fun of. We do. <laughs> just like presidents, politicians, yeah. fracking. What the frack are you talking about? If you're a court jester, this is your era. <laughs> it's just like, it just like um, some things not so funny, yeah. but we work really hard to bring doom and gloom with a sense of a just enough humor to slather your brain. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder where that came from. <laughs> that should be our slogan. I would be Doom a good slogan. with just enough humor to slather your brain. Yeah. <laughs> California and Illinois release draft fracking rules. And Californias are better. What the frack? <laughs> if pouring over draft fracking regulations is your cup of tea or oily backwater, <laughs> then we've got a big steaming teapot for you. Texas tea. <laughs> <laughs> California and Illinois both proposed rules governing hydraulic fracturing on Friday after their governor signed bills requiring them earlier this year. A quick read of the tea leaves suggests that frackers are going to continue plundering Illinois with little thought given to environmental impacts. Frackers operating California, however, will need to abide by some tough new regulations but not tough enough to mollify the environmentalists who continue to call for a fracking moratorium in the Golden State. <laughs> yeah. And I've noticed it seems that whatever state they try to pass these regulations in, they each try to call it the, the toughest regulations in the nation. <laughs> they well, said it that is it, the toughest because it's the only thing there is. Yeah. <laughs> just like, well, it's like, just like, it's like, I'm the toughest man because nobody's beat me. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, just like... If no one's beat you, you must be the toughest man. Uh, yeah. Well, it's funny to me, though, that Illinois, well, funny might not be the right word. <laughs> you know, Illinois... They um, were, funny means two things. Yeah. You know, there's funny in the head and funny out the mouth. Yeah, this is and more about funny in the head. sometimes they go together. <laughs> but, yeah. It's just they say that these are the best regulations, and then California says theirs are the best regulations, and maybe, maybe... Uh, we could just go with a moratorium, and not, we wouldn't have to deal with these obscure hundred-page documents that make it easier to frack. Well, I mean, you think that the fracking regulations make it easier to frack? Oh, I think so. It's, it's, or it just makes it so that it takes the wind out of the sails of the people who are against it. Yeah, because it kind of makes it harder. I mean, the rules, I've read a lot of the rules. I'll admit I haven't read the entire document, but I've read, I keep reading parts, new parts each day. You're that and, bored? <laughs> yeah, I'm that bored. It's someone my cup of tea. Someone has to do. Wait a second. Someone has to. Yeah, someone has to. Apparently, it, the, the IDNR no, is in reading But it would take, stuff. like, a superhero to read through all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. There are some superheroes out there who are doing their best. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of jargon, a lot of stuff that seems to be in favor of the industry. And the hope is that 
if you release this big document and it's all really technical, that the public will just say, well, I don't really know what's going on anyway. I'm sure IDNR is taking care of our interests. But when you actually Wasn't read it... Was the IDNR that I just read on the news yesterday that shot and killed an endangered species? Was it actually an endangered in species, or it's extinct in it's Illinois. It's in Illinois. It's extinct in Illinois, and that's it was why like they a were wild cougar. Yeah, that's why they were able to get away with it. Is there are cougars in other places, but they're very rare in Illinois, and they just shot it and instead of trying to relocate it or anything. Hmm. And I was realizing I came up with a brilliant scheme. The Department of Natural Resources. Yeah, they thought are they, they are, are kill these, natural creatures. Are they in charge of selling our natural resources, taking care of it? What is their job? Apparently in charge of selling it, but I came up with a plan. If they're that scared of cougars, if we can just convince them that fracking increases cougars, then they'll regulate <laughs> it more strictly. Like, it's just like, what kind of cougars? Yeah. It's like, you do not want to sick some of these older ladies on you. <laughs> yep, they might get you. In other news, BP sends more drilling rigs to the Gulf of Mexico than ever before. Wait. Isn't this the organization that, like, did the worst oil spill ever on a drilling rig in the Gulf of Mexico? Yep, that's um. You think they would kind of hold back on the fact that, you know, the worst environmental disaster, I think, ever. <laughs> At least oil-related. Yeah, probably worst oil one, yeah. Well, Chernobyl probably was worse. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably a worse nuclear one, and, you know... But in terms of oil leaks, that has got to be one of the worst ones, if not I mean, the worst. oil goes all over the world. Yeah, and this was right in the ocean, too. But they're doubling down. They're sending more rigs than ever before. The, the almighty dollar trumps. Yeah. BP isn't about to let a little worker kill an ecosystem wrecking, fisheries destroy an explosion, and oil rigs slow it down <laughs> in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. The company deployed two more oil rigs to the Gulf in recent weeks. Oh, come on. It's only two rigs. Only two. Well, it boosts the fleet to nine, which is the largest ever in the area. It brought in the West Origia uh, rig, known as an ultra-deep-water drill ship, and the Mad Dog platform. All right. Bring in the Mad Dog platform. <laughs> They're unleashing the Mad Dogs. <laughs> and this is a platform that was damaged by Hurricane Ike in 2008. These two new rigs reflect, quote, the vital importance of the deep water Gulf of Mexico to the future of BP. Richard Morrison, the company's regional president for the Gulf, said in a written statement. Now, we're getting this information from Fuel Fix. Yeah. Fuelfix.com on their blog. Yes, from the source of fuel. <laughs> but, yeah, every, every year for the next decade, the British oil giant plans to spend about $4 billion on its deep water fields in the Gulf. And it's working to ramp up operations in several fields, including the Atlantis North and the Nakika, the company said. An international oil giant dips back into the Gulf. The region's daily uh, production could rise by 180,000 barrels to reach 1.55 million barrels next year. And then in three years, the Gulf could beat its 2009 peak production of 1.8 million barrels per day. So there... While this whole climate thing is going on, they're just increasing the amount of oil they're extracting. It's not just even staying the same. They're increasing the amounts of oil extraction. This one's intense. Do you think that um, 
I don't know. Have you been checking out any of the mainstream news? Are they talking about the climate talks at all? It's funny you should mention that. I just, last night as I was reading, there were so many stories I could hardly pick which ones to read. And I was looking and seeing what do the other sites have? You know, I'm looking at the environmental sites. What do the mainstream sites have? So, I mean, we prescribe to the environmental newswire and get a lot of the stuff off of that. Yeah, so mainstream sites had literally nothing on the front page of any of them. If you dig in there, you can probably find a little bit, but the top stories on all of the major news sites had, I, I looked for the word climate, I looked for the word Warsaw, there was nothing. <laughs> so you heard it, you get to hear your news here. We are talking about what's going on with the world. Now, one of the biggest issues is the fact that the majority of the poorest countries, I want to say like 130 countries, walked out mm-hmm. because nothing is happening. There's, yeah. There's no negotiation, and the poorest countries are going to be hit hardest. And they're like, you're not trying to solve anything. Now, at 3.30 a.m. on Wednesday, yeah, something like 130 countries walked out in disgust. Yeah, which means they probably had a meeting from like 7 or 8 p.m., and they met all night and said, we're tired of this, so we're just going to go. Yeah, so um, at the U.N. climate talks in Warsaw... Hunger Games Get Serious. It started like this. On the first day of the UN's climate change talks, a.k.a. COP19 in Warsaw, Philippines delegate Nader Rev, a.k.a. Yeb Sano, made an announcement. Barring any concrete agreement how the Annex 1 countries, basically that's the U.S., Australia, EU, European Union, and Japan, would help countries currently being hammered by climate change, he would go be going on a hunger strike. Now, among people who actually want to stop climate change, the talks have a reputation of kind of being like the ace- icing on a giant cake of powerlessness. <laughs> yeah. That's an intense image. A giant cake of powerlessness. In his speech, Sano was a bit less harsh, but he added, quote, 20 years hence, we continue to fall short of the ultimate objective, which is to prevent dangerous interference with the climate system. By failing to meet the objective of the convention, we have ratified our own doom. End quote. Sano was fasting, he said, out of solidarity with the victims of Typhoon... Typhoon... How do you pronounce those? Hanyan? How do you pronounce the Yeah, I think Typhoon Haiyan, I think. I'm not actually sure, but I believe Haiyan. Some of whom were probably friends and family he was waiting to hear word from. He was also, he added, fasting in solidarity with his brother, A.G. Sano, an artist who normally painted cheerful murals of dolphins and whales, but was now serving as a volunteer uh, grave digger. Man, that's intense. Yeah, that's intense. I've, I looked online and saw some of his pictures, too, these murals he paints. They're really beautiful. It, it'd be nice if he could go back to doing that rather than having to do this this dark disaster relief he's stuck in. So a group of the poor countries in the U.N. walked out of the negotiations along with China after the U.S., Canada, and Australia refru- refused to discuss the issue of setting up a separate UN committee to handle the issue of loss and damages due to climate change. So, yeah. 
So they want to wait another few years before even setting up a committee to deal with these damages. And that's not going to help people in the Philippines or people in the countries in the next few years who have disasters. I mean, sure, if they eventually do that, I suppose that's a good thing. But sooner rather than later, the consequences are already upon us. So, Yep. So um, what are we doing to slow down, well, killing off the majority of the world's poor? Yeah. Is it that intense? Is it that in our face? Well, I'm going to have to think about stuff I need to change. Yeah. Usually I ride my bike or walk to the radio station. I drove today. Hmm. I need to think about that. I need to think about my actions are affecting not only myself, but the rest of the world. Yeah. It's time to start thinking about those questions and think about how institutions can change as well. And here's another walkout. There are two walkouts that happens. Uh, this one is the big green groups. The big green groups bail on U.N. climate talks. For the first time ever, environmental groups have staged a mass walkout on a U.N. climate summit, citing immense frustration with the lack of productive action in the COP19 climate talks, which have been dogged by a persistent rift between rich and poor countries on responsibility of paying for climate damages. Hundreds of people from dozens of environmental groups and movements from all corners of the earth have voluntarily withdrawn from the talks. According to a spokesperson from Oxfam, around 800 civil society members have walked out. In a joint statement, group leaders offered that the best use of their time was now, quote, to focus on mobilizing people to push our governments to take leadership for serious climate action. This was a lot of groups, Oxfam, Greenpeace, 350, WWF International. That's the World Wildlife Federation, not the wrestlers. <laughs> uh, all these groups, dozens of other groups uh, walked out. And here's another quote by them. The real hooligans are the CEOs of fossil fuel companies. Nadu, the executive director of Greenpeace International, told the crowd. Now... This is one of those cases where you say, okay, if you're not participating in the process, do you have any chance, choice, or voice in opposing it? Well, the thing is, is there is no process. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's what all these countries are saying and all these environmental groups are saying is these climate talks are in name only. Yeah. It's literally... What did they say? The giant icing on the cake of hopelessness. Yeah. That's a, I'm going to, that's, that's intense wording. It's intense imagery there. You know? <laughs> and so these people need to feel empowered. And they're not being feel empowered by doing these climate talks in yeah. the UN. So then they feel more empowered when they go out and do a demonstration outside and then go back to their communities and try to organize. And do things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point of the talks is... Let's do things to make the world a better place. Yeah. If the people lead, the leaders will follow. <laughs> yeah, just like... <laughs> yeah. And so that is the power of it, is make the cake so the icing is not made of hopelessness. Yeah. <laughs> if you're making the cake, you can make the icing whatever you want. <laughs> so that is actually, for me, hearing that, you know, 130 countries walked out of the climate talks... To hear that 800 delegates from all these environmental groups walked out gives me hope that there's actually going to be something happen in the world. Yeah. Because it's been a lot of talk of nothing. Yeah. 
And that and, is strength. Yes, and maybe they can have some conversations on the street there. The environmental groups and the disenfranchised leaders of other countries, they can get together and figure out what to do. Now, people are changing and, you know, staying up with the times. Super, super Euros. Yeah. Top 10 mm-hmm. climate change fighting countries, they're all in Europe. You mean the U.S. isn't on there? There isn't a country in the world that's on track to reduce emissions to the extent needed to keep global warming under 2 degrees Celsius. That's 3.5 degrees Fahrenheit. But for a glimpse of something resembling climate leadership, peer across the pond. The Climate Change Performance Index, if you would like a link to this, email us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we'll send you the newsletter. It has a link to the Climate Change Performance Index, produced by German Watch and the Climate Action Network Europe, ranks countries based on their greenhouse gas emissions, emissions reduction efforts, energy efficiency, renewable energy policies, and policies aimed at slowing climate change. Here's the top ten list from this year. Every country is in Europe. <laughs> Number one, Denmark. Denmark. Da-da-da-da! They are clean-talking, clean-burning country. Yeah. Two is United Kingdom. Otherwise known as the Great UK. <laughs> number three, Portugal. As four is Sweden. Coming in at number five, Switzerland. Six is Malta. Coming in at seven, France. Eight is Hungary. And nine coming in from Ireland. <laughs> and ten is Iceland. It's very interesting. These are all... The countries that are actually... Have you ever seen the happiness index? (laughs) The people who are most happy in the world. And I would say at least half of these, if my memory serves me right, are these countries. Yeah. They are people who are most conscious and have, you know, no... um, Less problems on their conscience. Yeah. You can be happier without fossil fuels, that's for sure. It's like... (laughs) So... And... The next article is the U.K. joins the club, vows to curb coal financing. So they're already on the top ten, and part of it is this policy. Yeah. No longer will British taxpayers have to foot the bill for the climate-unfriendly practice of building coal power plants in developing countries. Britain pledged Wednesday to end most financing support for coal power projects. This isn't just in their own country. This is any country in the world yeah and other countries the u.s denmark finland iceland norway sweden the world bank and european investment bank have already made similar promises which have aimed at curbing carbon emissions notice how that we throw in the u.s right in the front just to show (laughs) that we actually do something yeah it's like we will no longer finance projects that pollute yeah. Because nobody wants to build them anymore. Wait, no. oh, okay, we'll, fi- we'll no longer finance things that nobody wants to build. Yeah. Oh, okay, sounds like a business plan. Yeah. And part of what, one thing isn't in this article, that it, it would also be good if uh, instead of just stopping the funding, they also move that funding to funding renewables in these countries to, as, as paying for the climate debt of countries that have benefited from fossil fuel use. They can help other countries to avoid fossil fuel use. 
Now, they did throw in a little caveat. I just wanted to point out that yeah. funding for coal would be allowed under, quote-unquote, rare circumstances when alternatives aren't available and there's a case for reducing poverty. <laughs> so, jobs? Jobs. <laughs> it's just like... Rare alternatives such as altering the laws of physics so that renewables don't work in a certain country. <laughs> I think those are the rare alternatives. Now, the thing is, is you would think that coal is, you know, um, because it's such a polluting product. I mean, they, they banned it years ago from a, being a heating fuel because nobody could breathe in the cities. Yeah. And now we've just moved that same amount of pollution just outside of our cities. Yeah. So it doesn't affect us in the city, we think. Outside of cities and to the poorer neighborhoods. Right. Now... Just to let you know, coal generated 30.3% of the world's primary energy in 2011, the highest level since 1969, according to the World Coal Association. And then it's, it has slipped down a little bit, down to 29.9% last year. Yeah. So. All right. We've only got a couple minutes left, so let's get to some oh, of these man. holidays. I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> Coming up, we've got the... Uh, uh, let's see. Today is the anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Yes. I wasn't alive then, but I still see how it resounds through society. Yeah. It affected a lot of people. Yeah, it's still affecting people even today. Saturday is Taiwan Day. It's also the birthday of Boris Karloff. Sunday is Celebrate Your Unique Talent Day. It's also the Macy Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, it says it's Thanksgiving Day. I think some <laughs> of these calendars are yeah, messed up. This, yeah, this calendar is a little screwy. Um, it's turkey-free Thanksgiving. <laughs> that means I can't go anywhere. It's <laughs> just yeah. like nobody will want me. So... Um, don't forget that... Thanksgiving is here now, so be thankful. And um, try not to inundate the uh, people who are working really hard. Um, hopefully that whole idea of shopping on Thanksgiving will kind of ease off over time. Yeah. it's It, it really frustrates me that the day after we're supposed to make, you know, Thanksgiving give thanks for everything we have our society has set it up that we then fight people for getting stuff we don't have yeah we then physically fight each other to try to get whatever the latest trinket is right and um make it so that people don't have a chance to sp spend time with their family yeah and they're starting a lot of these things on thanksgiving day now yeah so that nobody gets time off yeah. yeah, instead of getting caught up in all that, it, here in Southern Illinois, you can go to the Southern Illinois Alternative Gift Fair and get oh. some gifts there. We better get in that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that, that'll be, we'll have to announce that again next Sunday, right? Because it's always the first Sunday in December. Yeah, it's, it's, well, a, it's December it's a, 8th this year. It's a really good event. It's like you give money to organizations or you buy gift certificates to give those gift certificates to your friends, or you buy presents from a nonprofit to give to your friends. Yeah. So you're given a double present with the same money. Yeah, two you're presents You're helping for an one. organization, and you're buying something for your friend. Yes. You know. 
I'm going to have to get a bunch of friends <laughs> be, between now and next week just so I'll have something to give. It's a good deal. All right. Um, coming up, we also have events, public hearings on fracking. There will be several. Uh, there's one coming up at uh, Tuesday in Chicago, uh, next to the following Tuesday at Rend Lake, and then there's actually one coming to Carbondale now from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on December 19th at SIU in Carbondale. You can make your comments on fracking. You can also go online to dnr.illinois.gov slash oil and gas slash pages online comment submittal form dot ASPX. If you would like that direct link, please email me at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Yes. Quick, let's get through some happenings. Yes, Typhoon High in Relief is ongoing. There are going to be more events locally. In the meantime, at 350.org, they've got uh, direct donations to grassroots organizations over in the Philippines. Washington, Illinois Tornado Relief Collection, now through next Tuesday at Walgreens at 600 West Main in Carbondale. Yes, and open mic night tonight at 7 o'clock at 913 South Illinois, Guy House Interfaith Center. All right. We have anything else you want to announce? Uh, Chris Mahanaquanzadon coming up soon in a couple weeks. And the alternative gift fair is December 8th from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Civic Center. If you would like to receive our newsletter, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. If you missed anything we talked about, we will see you again on the radio next week. Next week. I don't know what sh- should I talk about next week. Maybe being thankful. Yes. It's a good time to be thankful. Thank you for everybody for listening to our show for more than 14 years. Mm -hmm. See you again. If I press the right button. (laughs) Yes, it's over there somewhere. So many buttons to choose from.